Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the beauty that you have surrounded us with. Thank you for the hope that is ours in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord God, that you would speak clearly today, that you would reveal yourself profoundly in this service. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it has been lifted up and proclaimed among us. We pray, Lord God, that your word would sink deep into our heart. Lord, that you would confront there the dark places, those places uh, where we have sought to keep you out and walled off from you. Break down those walls, shine your light and hope into our hearts, Lord, and set us free from evil and sin, pain, and hopelessness, Lord. And turn our hearts towards your kingdom and towards the hope of your gospel. Lord God, give me the strength and the ability and the wisdom, Lord, to preach your word today. Lord, and may our hearts all be transformed. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning! It is so super to see you all today. Well, uh, in 1989, uh, there was recorded an album called The End of the Innocence. In 1989, as you'll know, is probably the apex of music. Right? Don't you think? 80s music? Yeah. Doesn't get any better. 60s. The 60s are pretty good too, but the 80s, I mean, that's, I mean, you just cannot beat a synthesizer. Uh, but so much talent could be located in one person, so much ability to do everything at one instrument. It's pretty amazing. And uh, so this album was recorded by a guy named Don Henley. Anyone ever heard of Don Henley? He was in this group called the Eagles. Right, Eagles, yeah. And on this album was a song, uh, and that song was called The Heart of the Matter. Anyone know this song? Right, it's a classic. Uh, it's on the radio. It used to be on the radio all the time. And the chorus goes like this. I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter, but my will gets weak and my thoughts seem to scatter. But I think it's about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Even if, even if you don't love me anymore. You guys remember that? Does somebody want to sing it for us? <laughs> I don't want to sing it because I want you to stay for the rest of the sermon. I mean, if I sing, you guys would be gone. Right? And I assume he's writing about a broken relationship because that's what songs are written about, right? Uh, but others postulate that he is referencing Graham Greene's 1948 novel, which has the same name as the song. Opinions? No, I've never read that Graham Greene novel. I like Graham Greene, though. He's a great writer. Um, I don't have a position on this either. Um, but the central part of the song, the part that plays over and over again in my head, is the repetition of that word, forgiveness. Right? I think it's about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Like, people repeat things, why? No, because they can't find out another word to say, right? They're stuck, they got writer's block, so they're like, let's just repeat it twice, I'll sound profound. No, they do repeat it because they want to make a point, right? They want you to remember something, to think of something. And so that repetition of the word forgiveness is important, right? And forgiveness is important everywhere, isn't it? I mean, it's all over our world. Uh, and lack of forgiveness is very present too, but the idea of forgiveness is important to us. Uh, for instance, there's a major insurance company right now whose ad campaign centers on accident forgiveness. Anyone seen these ads? Right? I think it's Allstate or something like that. But accident forgiveness, right? The kid comes in, tells his parents, oh, I just had, aren't you glad we bought Allstate because I just had an accident? Right? 
accident forgiveness. The idea behind that ad is that you'll think the idea of forgiveness is so great that you will give them your money. Right? That's right. I mean, forgiveness. And it's an important theme in the Bible as well. In our gospel passage for today, uh, we have one of the classic and probably one of the more um, difficult parables um, not necessarily in terms of interpretation. Interpretation is kind of laid out by Christ, but the, the weight of this parable is fairly crushing, I think. It all begins with a question, right? And as frequently happens, the questioner, the interrogator, is Peter. And Peter asks Jesus a question. He wants to know what to do when another believer sins against him. How many times should he forgive this person right and so he says he throws out this number and i think knowing peter it probably was kind of like he wanted jesus to think he was doing a really good job so he said well maybe seven times if i forgive somebody seven times you know because most people only forgive three times and i'm going to double that and add one right so seven times is that is that good is that enough times to forgive someone Right? Isn't that great that I'd be willing to forgive someone seven times? And Jesus blows Peter's mind, unfortunately, by saying, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times, or seven times 70, it depends on your translation, how many times you need to forgive somebody. So if you're wrestling with that, I'd find the one with the least number and hold to that verse. Um, But the idea behind it is not the number, right? Jesus is saying, no, you take your seven times and you multiply it. And you just keep multiplying it. Because when you get to the end of that, you got to multiply it again. Jesus is basically saying, you need to forgive people a gazillion times. Right? We don't know how many zeros are in it, but we just keep doing it. We keep forgiving. And then he explains his point through a parable. Right? Why in the world would you forgive someone 77 times or 7 times 70 or a gazillion times? Why would you do it? And so Jesus says, let me tell you a little story about that. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. So apparently this king's servants owe him and owe him big, right? This is, uh, I guess, for a modern day when you would have to look at like uh, the financial crisis. And this would be a CEO looking at his investment bankers who have just squandered everything and invested it in junk stock. That would be kind of the thing. You're looking, you need to settle your account. Wait, I owe it. million. How am I going to pay you back? That's the idea behind this. So this one servant owes the king 10,000 talents. Right? And a talent is 75 pounds of something. So that's a lot. Right? 750,000 pounds of something is a lot, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, And we don't know what the the talent here is being referenced. Uh, Sometimes it'll say talents of silver, talents of gold, whatever it happens to be. It could be silver, it could be gold, it could be jelly bellies. It's a lot. 750,000 pounds of something. Uh, There's no precise way to calculate it, but typically it's thought that a talent of um, money would be 20 years wages for a common worker. So the slave owes his master 200,000 years of wages. He's going to have to work some overtime, right? When it comes down to it. The guy obviously doesn't have the money to pay back to the king, and so the king orders him to be sold into servitude along with his wife, kids, and possessions 
So at least he'll recoup something out of the deal. Pretty horrible situation, right? And so what does this guy do? He pleads, right? It's kind of interesting uh, because he says, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Is this guy thinking clearly? Because remember, it's going to take 200,000 years for him to pay off this guy if he puts everything he makes into it. God bless you. But he asks for patience and he says he's going to pay him back. It's impossible for her to do it. And so the king takes another route. The king says out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. The king no longer expects payment. The king no longer is waiting for the accounts to be settled. The king is not waiting for this guy to put deposits into his account. The king has wiped his debt clean. Now the servant heads home and we presume he's jubilant over this incredible turn of events. No longer does he have the weight of debt upon his shoulders, but he's free. And so to celebrate, he sees another slave who owes him a hundred denarii. Now, denarii is thought to be an average day laborer's wages, daily wage. Uh, and so he sees this guy, he owes him a hundred days wages. And the debtor, fall, and he asks him for the money. He says, give me my hundred denarii. I need my money. The debtor falls down before this forgiven slave and speaks nearly the same words that this slave had used earlier with his master. He says, have patience with me and I will pay you. But instead of having compassion on him, he threw him into prison until he could repay. Now, interestingly, who hears about this first? The other slaves, that's right. The other slaves. And you wonder why. Maybe they owe this guy money too and they don't want him coming for them. Or, or maybe they just see the injustice in it all. But these other slaves bring the injustice to the king. And when the king hears of it, he brings this slave before him and he berates him. He says, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And then what does he do? Turns him over to torture until he can pay his debt off. Right? That's a pleasant ending, isn't it? And we feel that's the right thing to do, isn't it? The right thing to do? Right? This guy's horrible. He just got forgiven 20 or 10,000 talents. And then he goes and tries to get a little bit from somebody else. No mercy. That's terrible. The problem is, is that Jesus then turns the parable around on us. Right? It's kind of like we used to go shoot off fireworks in the desert. You know, when one of those fireworks, like the mortars, the things that shoot things up in the air, when they fall over towards you, the firework, the, the, what you thought was so incredible and exciting becomes very much more exciting, but not so incredible anymore because you are now under fire, right? And that's kind of like how this parable is. Peter starts by asking this question, thinking, I get to watch Jesus do something cool. And then he ends up at the end of it with those fireworks coming right at him. Because with a few interpretive leaps, and the implication of this parable is that we are the slaves working for the king, right? And we have squandered his resources and owe him big. We have sinned. We have broken his law. We are his debtors. And he calls in the debt. 
He says, Seth, it's time for you to pay up. And do I have enough to pay him? No, I don't have enough. And the thing about sin is it involves not only me, but my family and friends and neighbors, right? Just as in this parable, this man was going to get locked up with his whole family, right? It draws everyone in. And we all suffer from that debt that I owe to the king. But I fall on my knees before him. We fall on our knees before the king and we're forgiven. And the implication of this forgiveness is then how should we treat others? The same, with mercy, right? Because if that does not happen, what happens? The debts get called in again. It's this really frightening passage, right? I don't know about you, but I find it like shocking. I'm much more in, I'm much more for the once it's wiped out, it's all wiped out view than this. It's scary for me to think. Will my hard-heartedness turn me away from God? Will my inability to forgive cause me to not be forgiven? Don Henley thinks it's all about forgiveness. And I agree with them. I think it is all about forgiveness. Our passage seems to say the same. My debts are great and they have been forgiven by a great God. Jesus poured out his life so that I could be forgiven. Can I forgive others? By the power of Christ, I must. We must. We owe too much to be stingy with others. Now this world is full of injustice. This world is full of things that we might want to hold on to and to refrain from forgiving others. But it's all about forgiveness. And that, in particular, that special kind of forgiveness we see from Jesus Christ, the one who died for his captors. I want to lay a special challenge on us this week. Let's think and pray on forgiveness. And through the mercy of Christ, let's forgive one person, just one, who's wronged us. Something we've been holding on to this whole time. Because lack of forgiveness is a lot like chewing on glass, right? Like it might seem interesting at the beginning, but it really hurts long term. I guess a glass is not a good thing. I guess the better one is lack of forgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. Right? That's the, that's the lack of forgiveness, right? It kills us in the end. So let's forgive one debt. And if there's a debt that's too large to let go of, if there's something in your life you've been holding on to, come and speak to me or one of the other ministers of the church or someone you trust. Come and talk to us. And let's pray through this and talk through it so that we can be reconciled to one another. It is all about forgiveness. And that forgiveness starts and ends with our Savior Jesus Christ. Now the good thing is, and the thing that Romans encourages us in, is that we will stand because Christ is the one who holds us. He is the one who is over us. You and I, we will fail at forgiveness. We will do it off and on and we will uh, make mistakes, but we are the Lord's possession. It is his forgiveness that is the ultimate reality. May we fall on his forgiveness today, receive his grace and mercy, 
and like delivered servants, go out and forgive others. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for making it all about forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for showing us what forgiveness looks like. Lord, you were willing to die. Willing to die for those who who rejected you. Lord God, help us to see the depth of your mercy, the depth of your forgiveness for us, and then help us to forgive others. Lord, that we might live in peace in this world and that your hope and the reality of your gospel might be lived out in our lives. Lord, when we are able to forgive another person or when we're able to confess that we have failed someone and sinned against them and ask them for forgiveness, Lord, we are living out your gospel. We are showing the world that you take debtors and you wipe away their debt. Help us to be people such as this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.